Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, what choice do we have? It may not always feel like it's going the way that we want it to go, but um, mm. our work is to just stay there, I guess, you know? Well, that, that's a great, that's a great place to kind of start in that it's not always going the way that we want it to go. Um, because I think we, we've experienced a little bit of a, a bump here. We got some new listeners who are tuning in here. And I think, um, you know, a large part of that for, for us in this journey is we talk about recovery a lot because both Richard and I are in recovery and, moving in that direction and um a big piece of that you know in my life that richard really helped me through and you can listen to some of those earlier episodes is <laughs> navigating that feeling of everything is here like i'm here I've, I've given up the thing that's destroying me day in day out but i'm still not like but what for is almost the question that i think a lot of us struggle with after kind of crossing like, that first mountain like, like you know? why 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 <clears throat> mm, you know? why yeah why you know and and again, you know, really is so that we can have clarity. You know, I mean, we could check out of it or we can numb ourselves, but that doesn't fix it either. And I don't know, mm. I don't know about you, but um, I'm committed to being present through that stuff because I have found historically that when I remain present, even in the difficult moments, even though at first they might be difficult to deal with, um, eventually I find that I've developed some patterns of being able to navigate them in a healthier way. So on the other end of them, mm. they don't, I don't drag, I don't drag them around, you know, I don't, I don't mm. hold on to them because, mm. you know, I know in my life I've had stuff that hasn't necessarily gone the way that I wanted to go. And, and I mean, I even had a lot of people tell me that you will never be able to be a spiritual coach. You'll never make any money doing that. And you'll never be able to <laughs> be successful and and i remember i remember i felt devastated when people said that it's like you don't have letters behind your name you haven't done the educational piece and mm. and and i go okay well whatever i'm this is what i i want to do and this is what i'm committed to doing and we'll see how it goes and mm. i just i just kept staying staying on track and being committed to learning and growing myself and that's where the readings came in and and um I had to see those negative situations and I think this to me I think this is where the values come in for me and who am I in this conversation who am I who am I am mm. I honoring the me that I want am I honoring the me that's adventurous am I honoring mm. the me that's fearless am I honoring the me that's committed that's hard working that's persistent you know all those qualities i had to recognize that that's the kind of person i want to be i want to be somebody who's persistent and following following my heart you know and 
And um, I can look back on my life today and I notice those moments where I really followed my heart and I noticed the moments where I followed my head a lot more than my mm. heart and um, feels a lot better to be following your heart. Mm. Yeah. We d- and we've sort of touched on this before, but you mm. really, you can, you can intuitively sense when you've made that head mm-hmm. decision rather than that heart decision. Like I, I think that's where anxiety comes in, fear comes in, depression comes in. It's all these things where yeah, maybe I, I just I chose something. It's almost like my will versus whatever else is going on, like the, right. the actual flow and the actual mm-hmm. will. It's like, no, I think I know better. So I'm going to come over here. And when we do that, we really it, it places us in a painful position because mm-hmm. we're you've now you've now placed your entire life within your own hands. And mm-hmm. that's a dangerous place to be in, you know. And I think, you I, know, like you and I started the podcast, we we're talking about some of the challenges that we had today. and. Um, I had some medical stuff going on and you had a break in in your car and, and, <laughs> yep. and it's just a friend of mine, and, and got, we were... it's just all this kind of stuff going on. It's like completely unpredictable. And, mm. you know, I can get mad at it and I could, you know, drink at it or use at it or, or take some horrible action around it. But basically the work for me, what I've learned is, I just get to sit with the I get I get to sit with the feelings and allow myself to have feelings and you and I get to talk mm. about them and I get to find um find a way to 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 utilize them in a way that feels more meaningful and purposeful rather than just reacting because my mo- mm. my ordinary mode was to react and I still do that sometimes. I mean, I got mm. I got on the phone and chewed a nurse out today. Um, and I was telling yeah, you about that. that story. And it was, like, it was, you know, but I, you know, I was really careful not to use cuss words and I didn't call mm-hmm. I didn't call her names and, um, but it's kind of uncharacteristic for me, you know, and, mm. but this is not about but it's there. And yeah. that's, no, but it's important that it's there. Like I, that's, that's, uh, that's a human reaction to a human problem. And yeah, but I think the, the beauty of it is that you're able to look at it and go like, Oh wow. I, uh, I, I acted out mm-hmm. in maybe a way that I shouldn't. Have. And that, mm-hmm. that course correction is like, is the beauty of it all. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful thing It's not that you didn't scream well, at the lady, well, but it's the know, fact that you could go like, Hey, I'm I'm coming back. <laughs> well, you know, from that, I I don't think I really regret anything I said. To be honest with you, now that I look back, mm-hmm. um, I told her that I felt she was being very rude and condescending to me, and I was and those were and valid. I, yeah. and I was not okay <laughs> with that, and I didn't deserve that. And uh, I'm a patient, and I've got an issue, and I'm trying to get help from a doctor I've seen for I don't know twenty years, and right. um you know sorry but you're being really rude and mean <laughs> right no i didn't sometimes that's just that's just us sticking up for ourselves and i mean that's yeah. standing standing in dignity not in pride but in dignity <laughs> saying mm-hmm. like no 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 wait i'm a human being you're a human being this is a problem and it needs to be fixed and i need to be treated like a human being that's not asking too much <laughs> exactly i think yeah and so i right. think you know i think this is I think that what a great thing to be talking about because sometimes sometimes standing up for ourselves can feel like we're you know behaving well, in an unhealthy way but I mean I don't I don't always see it that way I mean I think I, I get it's okay for me to tell the truth you know mm, as long mm. as long as I don't feel like I'm inflicting unnecessary harm 
you know, mm. and I didn't call her bad names. I told her what I felt I was experiencing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think what's really great about that is you kind of did the whole. I mean, Thoreau writes about this. Martin Luther King adopted this. Gandhi adopted this. But that that sort of that peaceful protest or that nonviolent sort of like I'm just standing my ground and I'm saying who I am and I'm saying my truth in this moment. And that is the most effective form of getting that done. You know what I mean? I mean, the opposite that we see today because I think we're in like a powder keg moment. It doesn't matter. I was just reading this like fascinating New York Times article uh, where the the author was making the case that like were he had written a, a a column on boredom that had showed up um 10 years ago and so he was writing this this new column on on boredom 10 years into the future and i mean just in 10 years you know if you look back to like 2012 we were just sort of getting used to our iphones like <laughs> blackberries were phasing out this was like a new it was just a new like level of like wow look at how convenient our life is going to get i'm not going to have to like go to the grocery store anymore i'm not going to have to do this and we all know this inherently, but like our lives just got more busy. Like it, it just allowed more stuff to come in. So now that I don't have to go to the grocery store, those 15 minutes can now be used to work or those 15 minutes. And we just replaced it. Right. And so his whole thing is like, basically like, you know, like you're, uh, we're all overworked. We're all <laughs> underpaid. It doesn't really matter what you're doing at this point in history. We're thinking about things too long. Um, and his whole thing is just like, this spiritual idea of, of taking a break, like of, of saying no to that as an act of resistance. So actually like, like, like not working, like the, the answer that used to be like the professional answer was I'm just so busy. And that right. was a good thing. Like, Oh, I'm just, I'm killing it. I've got all these projects going on. Look at, look at my life. And being busy was a sign that like things it, were going well. It was and going I can well. tell you right now, I'm very busy right now and I'm not, I'm not, you know, kicking back in my Corvette. Like <laughs> it's a tough busyness and like that's what life is right now i think we've come to a point in history where being busy is actually a sign that like oh maybe you know maybe the finances are, are a little bit more difficult maybe busy means that i'm in a space in my life where things aren't comfortable and it's hard and it's rough and it's really it's a difficult space to to be in and the resistance to that the way that we stand in ourselves and we tell our truth is to say like no i actually like deep inside need a break and I need to stop. And Richard's been pushing me to do this for for weeks, by the way. I've had several calls with him all day. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. My other addiction is definitely working too hard and and over pushing and moving too quickly and all of that. Uh, but I was just telling Richard, like I had an insane week from hell, like with just a bunch of stuff going on, scheduling stuff going on, work stuff and then break-in stuff, but just, just absurd stuff. Uh, and yet I haven't had this moment yet where I've wanted to, you know, throw my head through a wall or throw my head into a bottle. Like both, neither of those have happened. And it really is a testament to the fact that daily I've stayed on this spiritual regimen, <laughs> which hasn't shifted. I haven't added more to it because life has gotten stressful. All I've done is just stayed consistent. Mm -hmm. And with a 15 minute morning meditation, and then yep. I never skip three pages of journaling in the morning. And then prayer for me and then exercise is a huge part of it for me too. But mm -hmm. like if I don't let go of those things, 
I'm able to walk through this stuff. Is mm-hmm. it fun? No. <laughs> do, do I want it to end? Absolutely. But I'm no longer focused on, oh, it's so much better out there than it is right, right here. Right. And I have to get out of this. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and that's for me as a pastor, that's a definite shift in the way that I view the spiritual world because a lot of what I taught for so long was, no, 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 pray this prayer and all of this will just like, this thing will do this on your behalf. And I think that there are things where that is still true, but it, for your daily health and your rhythms and your sanity and your mental health, it really does come back to that daily, that daily practice. Was, it's funny. I was, ta- rhythm. I was talking to somebody about this today and we were talking about the daily practice. And I, and I said, so one of the beautiful things about the daily practice, and you, you hit on it perfectly, is that we can, go, we can have our daily practice. Uh, and I have mine and you have yours. And I think everybody should have something and don't be afraid to reach out to us if you want to check in about it. But I have my daily practice. And so when, when you get up in the morning and you have a daily practice that you're engaged in, it's, and you're, it's a little bit easier to come back to even mm. a moderate sense of well being when the shit hits the fan and doesn't go the way that you want it to go. If you get up mm. in the morning and you just throw down a cup of coffee and you're just out the door and you don't stop and pay attention and kind of do the best you can, doesn't mean you're leaving feeling grounded or serene or anything like that. There's no expectation, but you do whatever work that you need to do to do the best you can to get there. Uh, mm. It doesn't mean that we're going to have some expectation, but if you start your day off by having the intention of grounding yourself in your a, a regular routine that you've created, um, you're a little bit more likely to get back to it later in the day if you have a difficult day. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody mm. this morning um, about it, and I asked them, I said, what's your, what's your day look like? What's your morning look like? And we talked about their wake-up time, and I said, and they said, oh, it's really hard for me to get out of bed. I set, I set the alarm, and I said, what happens when the alarm goes off? And they go, I reach over and I hit snooze. <laughs> and I go, and then I said, and then what happens? Well, and then it goes off again and I reach over and hit snooze. And I said, so you're starting the day off by resisting the day. Wow. Wow. You're starting the day off by going, I don't want to get up and face this day. How do you think your day's going to go? Hmm. So you're already sending, hmm. you're already sending a message out that you don't, that, you don't want yeah. to show up for your day. And, yeah. and, the, and the, I, the question that should be asked there is like, what, what am I, what am I afraid of right now? Exactly. What am I hiding from? Or, because honestly, that's what we're doing when we're doing. I've done that so mm-hmm. much in my life. We just want to th- <laughs> hiding under those covers, throw the like covers over our head. And, and, and it's a, it's a practice of avoidance. And, mm. and then a lot of times you get back down to it and you find out that they went to bed really late. And so they're not going to get up. And so it's this whole structure thing, you know, but creating a daily structure for yourself is, and I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's so important to not get mm. thrown off. And that daily structure is is going to be really valuable for us to stay on track. Mm. Yeah. No, the daily thing. I mean, it, it just, it's that ritual idea. Mm-hmm. And that's so, that's so built into all of the sort of old school structures of like religion that we've wanted to get away from, like the mm-hmm. monasteries and all that kind of stuff. And I love that you bring that up because it's not that we reach this Zen like state and then all of a sudden 
were able to like hover to work and back <laughs> what it is it's like if you think of the brothers and the sisters in these monasteries it's just they're they're engaged in a like their daily work is still there it's not that they don't work they're not just sitting around mm -hmm. praying and meditating all day they're engaging in like chores and mm -hmm. work and working community and still engaging in all of that it's just that they prioritize the ritual in their life and they right. say okay every day at this time i do this or every but and that's for God. And so I'm working mm -hmm. for God and all of it's moving, but what it's centered around and the only thing that makes it work is this idea of ritual and coming back to that practice. It, it, and that. And ba basically right. you're, you're honoring yourself by creating totally. this, this ritual, you know, totally. I'm respecting myself enough that I know that it's important for me to create something that's going to help me navigate the ups and downs that I will experience during this day. Right. Well, I just I just had a um, I just had a conversation with someone around sobriety. Like they're they're just trying to figure out if they're getting into this this thing or not of recovery, um, and uh, and we were just you know we were having all of these these talks, uh, and I could notice and I noticed this. I only noticed it because it was something that I used to do all the time, where I I would throw out this epiphany story moment where I would tell them like, yeah, and so then I was on this road and I found this thing, and then all of a sudden the the lights came on and it was all clear and I knew. I had to get sober, right? And we hear those stories all the time, these white light moment things. But the problem is this guy was telling me story, white light after white light after white light. And I've got those stories too. There's all these, you know, you can make a good story out of almost anything if you know the way to push. But I, I kept coming back to, okay, but like, how's that worked for you now? Like what, what, what 10 days later have you carried with you from that epiphany moment? Or like, why, I mean, yeah, maybe it's, it's brought you to this coffee with this pastor that you're now talking about this stuff with, but do you have any sort of daily thing that you come back to? Do you, would you be willing to like work through some of this work together? Would you be willing to go, you know, to some, to some rooms and hang with other people in that environment? And then the answer is always no, like, no, 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 no. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I just, I just really, you know, like, I know this is a problem and I want it fixed, but I can't engage in, in that part of it, right? And I think what's scary about that part of it is that as soon as I get into the ritual of it, it, it might actually work. <laughs> as exactly. soon as I really engage with the ritual, uh oh, like that might actually be the solution. And do I really want to give this up yet? Do I really want this to be done? You know, um, well, and that ritual thing kind of solidifies it. Exactly. Us, and, and that's to me, yeah. I think that's what's really important about the reading portion of the ritual, because, you know, we can do all the prayer and meditation we want to, but we're still with us. We're mm. still with us. And so to me, I think one of the things that's been the biggest epiphany for me is doing some daily readings that open my perspective up to help me realize that part of my spiritual work is about community. It's about mm. other centeredness. It's about seeing, seeing compassion through a wider lens you know, and mm -hmm. seeing seeing the world as a bigger place. It's not just about me. You know, my disease mm -hmm. is just about me. Right. And, yeah. so, and so when I go no, through it's... life and it's just about fucking me, it's like, that's not going to feel very good. It's always been about me, you know. That's and it. when I keep the focus on me and I start to recognize that I have the capacity to maybe to maybe connect with other people through some of the challenges mm -hmm. that I'm going through, that that's where the miracle starts to happen. Hmm. Yeah, I found that really interesting. This week, I, I was talking with some people about the difference between joy and happiness. And we were talking about that, like in early recovery. Mm -hmm. And in early recovery, there's this kind of crazy brain thing where your your brain sets a point 
to register pleasure. And if you've been drinking and drugging for a very long time, your brain's point is sky high because it says, well, we got to set the threshold like way up here. I got to get back <laughs> there. Keep adding, yeah. Totally. Cause they keep adding things to the system. So like, I've got to keep raising the bar so that we can keep up with the dopamine that's coming in. And the problem is when you take that away, you're robbing yourself of all of that dopamine. Your body doesn't know how to replace it and it doesn't know how to get up to that bar. And what they think, and this is, you know, it's measured differently with your weight, who you are, male, female, all of that. But it's about six months to a year until you can begin to like register that pleasure in the same way that you were before you started using and stuff. And all the people in the room, I mean, you can feel the air get sucked out of the room at that point. Because when you're in early recovery, you're like, wait, so you're telling me that I'm not going to be happy for like six months minimum? Um, and the truth is like, maybe not. Like, okay, and that's shocking, right? And I get that. Uh, but the point is, I think what we're looking for in that moment is not just like happy in the way that like, I'm happy when I see a sunset or I'm happy when I have a really fulfilling moment in my life. Uh, it's it's happy in a, in a euphoric sense. I'm looking for euphoria, which is happiness that I can control. So no, you probably won't have euphoria and happiness you can control for six months. But I'll tell you on the other side, what you can still register and what registers probably even more profoundly is joy. And joy is anything you're doing outside of yourself or someone else that you take pleasure in. And happiness is the reverse. It's anything that comes to me and I take pleasure in. And so with joy, even in that early recovery, when we can't feel those happy thoughts, I can experience deep, crazy amounts of joy by being of service to other people, by hanging out with other people, by doing stuff that's meaningful to me. That really registers, <laughs> which right, is crazy. Right. So like, it's almost like our body just takes away the happy button for a little while so that we can learn what like real joy is. And I think that works with, you know, not it, just recovery, it, but anything. It, it's, a, exactly. it's a reset in like your pleasure center. You know, you know? Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about joy and he said, our capacity to have great joy in our life depends upon our capacity to have great sadness in our life. Mm. And being, That's beautiful. And being able to hold both of them. Mm. I was talking with it's a, almost I was talking with no, a, I was talking with a client today and I and she was saying, well, how, how come I just can't be happy? And I, I said, well, what do you think stopping you from being happy? And she, and I, I said, so your happiness is conditional. And so mm -hmm. our work is to look at the conditions that need to happen in order for us to be happy, because those mm -hmm. are up to you. And so our happiness is conditional. What conditions need to change in order for you to feel the way you want to feel? And we were, mm -hmm. we had a really good, she goes, I don't know how anybody could feel any sense of contentment with what's going on in the, in Ukraine or mm -hmm. with the abortion thing or whatever. And I said, well, you know, we can have multiple mo emotions at, at the same time and we can feel yeah. the joy of sitting in a room with you and talking with you and feeling like we're connecting, we can experience that joy. And I can hold my frustration and my anger about what's happening in Ukraine, but not dwell on it. I don't have to bring my mm -hmm. opinion about what's going on in Ukraine into this room with you and I sharing and connecting. And, and I can also um, have a pain in my left foot and wish it would go away, but that doesn't stop me from connecting with you. Mm. So I can have all these colorful emotions at the same time and find some kind of balance so that I can be present with you. Mm. Mm. And I love that because this daily spiritual practice gives allows, you that balance. Allows, I, allows us to I have that so balance. I'm so glad. 
Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up that like that word because I I've thought about that a lot. I think what what that yeah, and I've I thought about balance all this week when that break in thing happened. When all these things happened, I was like, you know, it's because when I'm not on my daily routine, like I'm still teetering on that balance beam, but it's so much easier to knock me off <laughs> because I'm not paying attention to anything. I'm just floundering on the beam. But when I'm on my practice, I'm I'm not I'm like on the beam and I'm looking at the beam and I know what comes next and I know where my next foot is going. Like I'm able to navigate that and you're not going to knock me off easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's what ritual does. It sets it us does. on that balance. And-, and we like balance is not like a balance isn't something you can buy or something you can inherit like balance is like something that you build into your life like it's a hard-earned thing (laughs) and to do that takes a lot it's so funny there's a story in one of the readings that i do and it talks about one of the great french minds who was just like really really famous and um and i remember and the story talks about somebody asking him it's like don't you ever fall and get off balance He's, he, no, the guy walked up to him and he said, so amazing that you never fall or get off balance uh, or never you like lose your lose your sense of where you are in your mind because mm. it's it's impeccable. And he said, I don't see anything going on. He said, oh, well, that's not true. And he said, well, why do you say that? He said, I, I fall all the time. And the guy goes, well, how could that be? He said, he said, I just regain my balance so fast. That nobody even notices. Ooh, that's so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. That what a perfect representation <laughs> of like what it is to be living in that way. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, we that's will perfect. We will get off balance all the time. We will fall and stumble all the time. But it's not so much about whether we fall and stumble. It's about how how fast we regain our footing. Hmm. Hmm. I just think that That's was amazing. one of the most powerful stories. I, uh, it always has resonated. No, that is, wow, that is, that is unbelievable. Yeah, because it, I mean, yeah, in all of the kind of work I'm doing right now in my life, that is like the key. Uh, I've just never heard it so succinctly put. Like, yeah, it's it's just about like, yeah, no, I, I still fall all the time. It's just these things become smaller. And I think that's it. Like when you watch someone who's really good at what they're doing, like a pro, you're not watching them not mess up. You're just, you're watching them like mess mm-hmm. up at an expert pace. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're doing it so fast and so well. Yeah. Like a good guitar player is not, not playing bad. They're just yeah. bending past it or they're mm-hmm. moving past. It's incredible. What a great, I mean, what a beautiful example of. It, yeah, it's, it is such a, is. A, a beautiful example. And you find some of the great people with great successes. And Michael Jordan talks about, it. he got kicked off his high school football team or basketball team uh, several times. And he said, the only difference between me and everybody else is I didn't give up. He said, I, I, we de- developed a relationship with failure. Pema Children talks about it. And, and I can tell you that in my life, I, I failed many times. Uh, but I, some, somehow, and I think the daily spiritual practice, I trusted in something greater than me. It's like, okay, get back up. And, mm. and um, I think being able, being willing to fall is, is, is really an important uh, aspect. And we're going to, and particularly in the world that we have today, I mean, we're going to fall and we're going to stumble and we're going to have difficult times, but uh, we don't have to dwell on that. We don't have to hold on to mm. that. We don't have to carry that with us into every single 
moment, every relationship, every conversation. We can have it, but we don't have to keep, you know, keep reinforcing mm. it through our dialogue. And that's why, you know, in, in you, when you talk about the Buddhist, uh, uh, the Eightfold Path, they talk about right speech, you know, and it's mm. one of the ways that we keep ourselves on track. And if I keep talking about all the failures going on in my life and my frustrations, what am I doing? I'm, I'm spreading. Oh. It's almost like I'm literally spreading poison. Yeah, you just totally. You just it, like envision your life like a like a huge garden, and you are just spewing weeds. You <laughs> left are, and, and, right and, and so center, I, and, yeah. I think one of the ways that we can hold ourselves accountable and honoring our values is by, you know, we have the difficult moments. We don't have to always share them with everyone. You know, there is something so powerful in that that's not talked about enough that like we some things are just for you and mm -hmm. that's OK. <laughs> like and, and that you don't have to, you know, speak like in I just learned this, like in the Jamaican culture, um, going back like hundreds and hundreds of years, they won't say things out loud. Like if they truly do, like they, because they believe in the power of if I let this out of my mouth it's going to happen. So like if they are going to wish evil upon someone, it's really like I am wishing evil upon you and vice versa. If I want to bless you, I'm not just going to use my words left and right. It's got to mean something because it means something, you know? Um, I think yeah, I, 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 that's so powerful being able to watch our words. Um, you know, the, you know, what we, what we say to each other, you know, I mean, there's very few things that we can control about what's going on in the world today, but we can control the way that we speak to each other.